Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about eye health, cataracts, and eye surgery. According to the CDC Vision Health Initiative, 90 million Americans over 40 have some vision and eye problems. That's more than three in five. Joining us is Dr. Sergal Erzurum, an ophthalmologist at the Eye Care Associates here in Youngstown, Ohio. She will be discussing some of the treatments and surgeries to correct some of our vision problems and giving us tips on how we can protect our eyes to reduce our risk of vision problems. We are excited to hear all the wonderful things that Dr. Erzurum's foundation, Sight for All United, is doing in our community. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. Hi, Vicki. How are you? I am fine. And we have guests in the we house. We do. We do. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, Dr. Sergal Ursaram. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's amazing being here with you two powerful women. Oh, we're yes, happy to yes, have you yes. here. We just love that you are here because you are doing a little good in the neighborhood, like we always say. Mm-hmm. And we like to showcase those people, right, Dee? Absolutely. So we can't wait, and we're glad that you are here with us today. Today we talk about eye health, cataracts, and eye surgery. And according to the CDC Vision Health Initiative, vision and eye problems are increasing as American ages. Now, 90 million Americans over 40 have vision and eye problems, and that is more than three in five. And so if we look at all the stats here, it says that by 2050, this is what the CDC says, by 2050, without effective interventions, when we look on here, cataracts will increase 87%. Glaucoma, and we never really hear people talk about glaucoma, but that's what they do. Don't they put that stuff in your eyes? And you the doctor in the house, (laughs) Well, you got it. So, you know, glaucoma is really a serious condition because um, I call it the high blood pressure of the eye. You don't have any symptoms or signs of it, but it's a blinding condition. Mm. And if you don't have yourself checked regularly, you could be walking around Um, with glaucoma completely unbeknownst to you until you lose significant vision. And we can't get that back. 
Oh, wow. Mm. They're estimating by 2050, if we don't do some type of interventions, that's going to increase by 100%. Wow. Vision impairment and blindness will increase 150%. But here's the deal. We always think about money and what happens. The cost of vision problems for us in the United States by 2050 will increase 157 percent to 373 billion dollars so that's a lot of money it's staggering so you know i love that you pulled up these statistics because Mm -hmm. vision recently has been getting a lot more attention deservedly so because without our eyesight Mm -hmm. you lose your independence you know your ability to keep your job you can't drive a car you can't learn you can't read and so it's gaining a lot more attention on a national and political platform and this 2050 has become kind of this magical number what's even more staggering you're pulling up all the diseases and Uh the conditions but we have a tremendous number of people who are walking around with correctable vision loss imagine Uh that your taxi cab drivers, mm. your, you know, your Uber driver. I mean, if you haven't been in to have your eyes checked, and this was part of the initiative we performed last week in the inner cities, uh-huh. you have children going to school who've never had an eye exam, and unbeknownst to them, they have staggering correctable vision mm. loss. Oh, wow. That just a pair of glasses can mm-hmm. take care wow. of. Mm-hmm. So that's also a whole nother arm of vision problems. Mm-hmm. But the impact, when you think about $373 billion, think of the impact of taking care of a blind person. I know. And the cost to society, not not just to the human life, of Mm -hmm. course, and the lack of um, ability to live to your best, but just the impact on society to take care of people who are visually disabled. I know. Mm. And so, yeah, we look at all of these stats here. That's why it's important. The CDC, they have an initiative going on. But here's the key. The, the question is, okay, so why is this a public health concern? Well, it's because that it affects folks' ability to do what we say all the time here on the show, activities of daily living. So it impedes, you know, like Dr. Sugar said, she said, uh, driving, shoot, I don't know if I want to be in the Uber if you can't see. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Me either. So it, it impedes the ability to read, to drive, to prepare meals, watch television, and do personal affairs. And so that's why it is important that we start now taking care of our eye problems or just making sure that we take care of our eye health. And so we have joining us, as you probably have heard, Dr. Erzurum. She is an ophthalmologist at the Eye Care Associates here in Northeast Ohio in our Youngstown, Ohio area. She's also, which I thought was very nice, a professor of surgery at the Northeast Ohio Medical University. Now, Dr. Ursaram, she performs cataract and lens implant surgery, and we'll be discussing some of the treatment and surgeries to correct some of the serious vision and eye problems. She will also give us tips on how we can take care of our eyes to reduce our risks of vision and eye problems at any age, and definitely as we age. And so we can't wait to hear all of the wonderful things that she is doing. She has her foundation, Sight for All United, and Sight for All United is doing a lot of good in the neighborhood in our community. And so we can't wait to um, really talk more with her 
during our show, right, Dee? Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of getting attention, I don't know if you follow um, the Today Show, but Savannah Guthrie's little boy hit her in the eye (gasps) about, maybe it's been about two weeks ago now, and tore her retina. And so we've been following every day. She came back to work and she couldn't see. And so they had today an ophthalmologist from Cornell Weill who repaired her retina day before yesterday. And it was just really interesting. They showed her, she was talking on television about, you know, a retina. And he had the, you know, the diagram Mm -hmm. of it and talking about, you know, what she had to do. Who knew that you have to lay on your stomach and she couldn't move. She has to be like, you know, her, her head down and mm-hmm. all these things. I mean, it was just a, you know, an innocent eye thing from one of her, her her latest little child. So it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about that today. So yeah, eyes have been really on the forefront on the Today Show every day talking about Savannah. Yeah, it's staggering to think of something <clears throat> as minor as one I of know. your children doing yes. something. And, and then you now you got to have eyesight. surgery and yeah. everything else. She still can't see. And he was just saying that, you know, he'd hope they were, they, and then he was talking about a bubble yeah, and so all of when that. You, when you mentioned that she had to remain in a certain position, mm-hmm. um, the retinal surgeons will use air as a way of helping to tamponade the retina. Oh. And so as we all know, well, when they go in and, and they do surgery, they remove the jelly in the eye and they put basically a, a saline and uh-huh. a, there's liquid in the back mm-hmm. of the eye. When you put the air bubble in it, air floats. Mm. Ah. So you know which position the air bubble is going to take by how you position the head. Mm. So if they have an air bubble in the eye and they want to use that air bubble to tamponade the back of the retina, you lay your head down and that bubble's going to rise. Right. 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 But it interferes with vision because we're not supposed to have air in the back of the eye. So until wow. that air gets resorbed, the vision's distorted. Mm. So hopefully when her bubble resorbs, she'll yeah, be doing hopefully, better. Hopefully. Wow, that's yeah. crazy, huh? Yeah. How yeah. one little sum. Just little little baby. I think he's only like a year or maybe two oh. years old. Yeah. Hopefully she will do better, but I'm glad they have it where folks can see it. Mm -hmm. For all of you guys, make sure you go and subscribe to this podcast show. It's all about health and fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and on any of your favorite platforms that you listen to your podcast on. When you subscribe to this show, you will automatically be notified when we post a new episode. Therefore, you will definitely be in the loop. We want for you to make sure that you go and subscribe, but also go and give us a good review and a good rating, and we certainly will appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. We want to thank you for your support. Well, D, the holidays are I here. I know. It came so fast. It is I really, know. Can you believe that? Yeah, I got up this morning and, you know, I was trying to think about Christmas gifts. And so I just, I got the Needless Markups catalog and decided to go through okay. for all of you out there in Radio Land. Needless Markups is a Neiman Marcus catalog. Right. So I just went through <laughs> and I said, let me just get this over with and order a few things and have them because I'm going to be with my daughter and her family <laughs> and stuff. So it's just, you know, and then I, there were a couple other websites that I went on. So I really just did on the phone shopping. Okay, yeah. Which unfortunately is running a lot of retail businesses out of And I think so. Work, unfortunately. Because when you go and shop now, yeah, it's a little bit you know, busy, but it's not as busy no, as it used not. to be. And and in terms of that, going, mm-hmm. I want them to give it away free by the time I get there. Right. Yeah, I do my I major. Want them to give ninety percent off. 
I know. I do my major shopping the day after yeah, Christmas. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, me too. That's yeah, when I you, do yes, yeah, honey, yeah, you can deals. shop till you drop yeah. then. Yeah, 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 a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will be out there doing it that time. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And everyone's lives are so crazy anymore. Trying to go out and run from store to store is almost it's impossible. It's just crazy. It mm-hmm. is. It is it impossible. Is. Well, you know, we always encourage people, this is the time, you know, even though we can give gifts and go to parties and enjoy, a lot of folks are not that fortunate. So if you, when you clean out your closet, Mm -hmm. you're giving away those clothes and things, even go and give food to the pantry. They were saying that a lot of people, just recently I saw an article written where the pantries now, the line goes way down the street for miles. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, I, I, you know, in fact, this morning I took four bags of clothes to Goodwill. And another thing that I do mm-hmm. is that talking about cleaning things out you know mm-hmm. how you go to hotels and you collect up all these you know shampoos and stuff I try to make little baggies and take them to the domestic violence places for women okay, because you know awesome. they don't have a lot of stuff like that so okay. you know shampoo conditioner bath you know the bath okay. gel and stuff like that you know, it's really I, helpful I think that's such a great idea mm-hmm. and I have you have old handbags or old purses that, mm-hmm. that maybe you're just not using anymore mm-hmm. those are perfect to kind of put exactly those Exactly. Into the bag and yep. donate. Exactly. Wow, that's a good idea. Yeah. Huh? yeah. So I, I try to do a little give back. I, you know, I should do it all the year, but I particularly think about it during, you know, in the I, season. Season, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Okay. And coats. You know, kids don't have coats no. I know. to go to schools. How many coats do we have? You know, how many puffer coats have I bought that I need to I know, give? Right. How many puffer yeah. coats do you need? So, so good. So those are the things that we yeah. should yeah. all, and we're encouraging all of you guys to think about during the season. But mm-hmm. like we said. Um, um, all year round, think all about round, it. Yeah. All year round, yeah. think about it. Dr. Sergal. Well, <laughs> la- last week was just all kids in the inner city between Liberty mm. and Youngstown. We, we okay. did that from yeah. Monday through Friday last wow. week. So we were in five different schools, mm. and six other schools got bussed in. Mm. And we ended up seeing about 500 children. Wow, um, that's a lot. Yeah, about 100 kids a day. It was pretty amazing. We had quite a team set up. We'd be set up in the gym. Uh-huh. We took all of our um, equipment in that you would have in an exam room, mm-hmm. and we set up five exam lanes every day in a gym. Mm. And we had the children going through, getting examined, dilated, and also dispensing and fitting glasses right there fantastic. on the spot. Fantastic. So that was my week That's last good, week. That's good, isn't it? That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was an incredible collaboration and mm-hmm. initiative with so many partners. And I think... I think that's a key thing to doing all these things, right? You, you can't mm. do everything yourself, but if you can have a partnership together, mm-hmm. we can accomplish great things. Yes. Yeah. And so that sounds good. You had a great week, right? Yeah. Wonderful. Put me way behind on all my shopping. I'm though. sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe saved so you feel, from spending a I'm, lot of money. I'm feeling a little more pressured <laughs> listening to you guys. I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> I know. Maybe saved you, though. Yeah. 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 So what is going on this week? Everything, Vicky. everything. Dee, you sent an article that I thought was very interesting because, you know, during the holidays, we stress ourselves out and we don't remember to do the gift of Mm self-care. And so this article was written in the New York Times and a Buddhist teacher offered five simple steps to quiet your mind and soothe your stress. 
It says, the Buddhist monk remembers the moment he discovered the power of self-care. He was a frustrated graduate student when a trusted friend told him the solution was to be good to yourself first, then to others. It says, sunam is the term used to address a Buddhist monk in Korea. Okay, so sunam has taught Buddhism at Hampshire College in Amherst, Massachusetts, and continues to espouse the power of self-care through Buddhist teachings. And if we go through and move on down into the article, there's a simple five-step plan to give yourself the gift of self-care this holiday season. The first one is breathe. The second one is accept. The third one is write. The fourth one, talk. And the fifth one, walk. So if you go through breathe, breathe, start by just taking a deep breath. Become mindful of your breathing. You'll notice that when you begin, your breathing is shorter and more shallow. But as you continue, your breathing becomes deeper. Number two, accept. Acceptance of ourselves, our feelings, and of life's imperfections is a common thing in love for imperfect things. The path to self-care starts with acceptance, especially of our struggles. Number three, write. Begin to practice acceptance through a simple writing exercise. Write down the situation you must accept and all that you are feeling. Write down the things in your life that are weighing on you and the things that you need to do. Rather than trying to carry those heavy burdens in your heart or your head, you see clearly on paper what it is you need to do. Four, talk. All right, I like this one. The perfect gift for everyone on your list. Never underestimate the value of meaningful conversation for your well-being. Make time on a regular basis for a close, non-judgmental friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's <laughs> right. the key. Non-judgmental right. friend. powerful. Isn't yeah, it? It is. Make the time. If you feel frustrated or angry, look for a close friend and buy them coffee or lunch or dinner. Choose someone who will listen without any kind of judgment. Okay, and last but not least, walk. One of the easiest ways to care for yourself is to take a walk. That's the key. Take a walk. Just walking can distract your mind and create space between you and whatever is causing stress in your life. I think that's pretty good, right, Dee? I do, too. Take care of ourselves. Anything else you want to add, you guys? I love the first one, to just breathe. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you get stressed, we go into that fight and flight mode. Mm -hmm. And um, it takes a few moments for our amygdala to process. And that breathe gives you a moment to just... Do it, it right? Yeah. Yes. Kind of back up and reanalyze before you mm-hmm. react. So Definitely. those were all powerful suggestions. If we take some, at least one or two of those, that we will have a less stressful holiday season. And I think that how you can really lower your stress is don't be buying all them gifts. They don't need it. <laughs> they don't they need them gifts. They won't even remember what they had That's next it. year this time. They no, won't even right. remember those gifts. Right. All right. 
teen gets new heart kidney at Children's Hospital in Ohio. And I thought this was great. I think this is in Cincinnati, Ohio. But a Kentucky family got the best holiday presents that they could wish for, a new heart and kidney for their 17-year-old Marquise Davis, and who was in desperate need of both a kidney and a heart. Can you imagine needing wow. both? Right. Yeah. Okay. And so the mother said, I've got enough clothes that'll last me for three months or probably more. This is Sherry Withrow. Withrow's clothes are all packed into her, her white Kia because her car is her hotel. Because this Christmas, New Year's, and more days to come, she'll be spending time at a children's hospital and she says Christmas this year is the best I ever had. She said that truthfully her son who lives in Lexington received two special Christmas presents at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital this year. A new heart and kidney. Two organs he waited for a year and four months to receive. Now his mother said yay! We have a heart and kidney for Marquis, so immediately I dropped the phone and said, what? She was in relief because at age just five days old, Marquis had open heart surgery. At three years old, he had his first heart transplant. And the mother says, it was scary, and I was like, Lord, please let him live. All of this after being diagnosed with hypoplastic, what, left, left heart, heart syndrome. syndrome. That's what I thought he had. Mm -hmm. Which showed the left side of his heart was underdeveloped. Fighting, fighting, fighting. This is what his mother said. Really, he's been fighting all his life, back and forth, up and down, from Lexington to Cincinnati, back and forth. Doctor's appointments, blood work. So in 2018, he was told he'll need a heart and a kidney transplant. About a total of 17 hours of surgery later, here he stands now with two new organs. It's the best Christmas gift I could ever get. I didn't think it would come so soon. Now the Christmas angel has only one question in mind. He said, are you going to call school? This is what she's saying that her son said. I have to graduate. So, yeah. <laughs> so just as he got up from the bed right after surgery, he plans to get up and walk at graduation next year. And his mother said, I've prayed and cried, prayed and cried. This article, which was written by CNN, just posted December the 15th. It says to everyone that are listening, if you want to help cover expenses for Marquise and his family, you can do so through the Children's Organ transplant association so i thought that was a definitely a feel-good uh, you know, article you know our friend dr lolly yes we have a friend dr lolita mcdavid who's professor of pediatrics at um rainbow babies and children in cleveland and i remember maybe it's about three years ago we were both in washington at the same time for a meeting and what the meeting that she was going to was on capitol hill and bringing about four young kids who were now maybe 10 who had left hypoplastics because these kids wouldn't you know 20 no. years ago these kids wouldn't have made it no. okay and wow. you know now with heart transplants and so forth so what she was going to Capitol Hill was to get more money appropriated for the care because it's an expensive I mean you, you can't imagine the amount of money mm. that it cost mm -hmm. to for this process for these kids so it's just we were kibitzing about how the kids were all in school they were smart you know and she was pointing them out to me and having them to come
come over and talk to me, and she was we were just saying these kids wouldn't have been alive, you know, when we went to medical school. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, good. Wow, um, that's so a that's feel. A that's a really it's a feel good story. Yeah, it's really good. And that's a really good hospital, Cincinnati Children's Hospital. It's a good. Mm-hmm good facility so yeah that's good good beautiful. yes yeah, yeah beautiful yeah so what's the latest d you have a few yeah, articles so i have a couple articles as i said earlier we've been dr sergo we've been following ebola and the measles and we've yes. been following ebola since the outbreak what maybe five years ago now so i try to give some updates because it's despite yes. the fact that we would like to say that it's completely eradicated in the world it really has not mm-hmm. been the democratic Republic of Congo has been the most recent place, but everything seems to be on a mild calm. And then my big thing in infectious diseases is this outbreak of new diseases that we got rid of because of anti-vaxxers and stuff now. Mm -hmm. And that's my soapbox about, you know, I always tell people go to a cemetery, old cemetery, and see how many kids didn't make it until until they were two years old because Mm. we've eradicated a lot of those things. But nothing new on that today. But two articles that I wanted to bring up today just to kind of mention briefly. The first one is Teen Marijuana Vaping Sores, Displacing Other Habits. And this article, again, is from the New York Times. Drinking, cigarette smoking, and the use of hard drugs all declined according to a new federal survey of high school and middle school students. Teenagers are drinking less alcohol, smoking fewer cigarettes, and trying fewer hard drugs, this survey says, but these public health gains have been offset by a sharp increase in vaping of marijuana and nicotine. These diverging trend lines published Wednesday, this past Wednesday, are among the findings in the Monitoring the Future survey, a closely watched annual study by the National Institute on Drug Abuse, NIDA, of 8th 10th and 12th graders. The survey shows that youth, drug use, and experimentation continue to undergo significant evolution, but most troubling to public health experts in this year's report was the sharp increase in marijuana vaping of 12th graders surveyed. 14% said they had vaped marijuana in the last month, nearly double the 7.5% a year ago. And the percentage of teenagers who said they had vape marijuana use or more over the last year doubled during the past two years. So the survey found that 3.5% of 12th graders and 3% of 10th graders reported daily use. This is very worrisome, said Dr. Nora Velo, who is the director of this National Institute on Drug Abuse, said the rise in both types of vaping among young people. Vaping of marijuana was the root of a public health crisis that unfolded this past summer when more than 2,000 people across the country, many in their teens and 20s, became gravely ill Mm -hmm. with a lung infection that left many of them unable to breathe on their own, and most of the patients said they had vaped THC, the high-inducing ingredient in marijuana. And according to the CDC, there have been 2,409 cases of hospitalizations associated with vaping lung illness nationwide and 52 deaths. Many of those who died were middle-aged or older. So although vaping of marijuana is on the rise, the overall rates of, of using the drug in all forms, smoking, vaping, edibles, were mixed. The rate of overall marijuana use held steady for high school students who reported using it once or more over the past year, but there was an uptick in daily use. The rise in vaping, said a lot of these researchers, stems partly from the allure of the sleek electronic devices that deliver nicotine and marijuana, glamorized on social media and Mm. streaming videos. Mm -hmm. The gadgets are also relatively easy to conceal, 
because they are designed to reduce smell and smoke. And the popular Juul device, for instance, is referred to as the iPhone of e-cigarettes. So a whole new paradigm shift in stuff. Yeah, so you know? it used to be stay away from rolling that joint. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's a whole new paradigm shift in stuff. I know. Drug-related kind of stuff. So uh, now you have that. The wow. sad news is I was just reading another article about, you know, the number of kids, adults and, and uh, adolescents, mm-hmm. who may need lung transplants. Oh, wow. Because by, by of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's that whole wow. lung transplant thing has kind of got a lot of uh, re-looking at in this group. You know, you look at a lot of other people who who need lung transplants and by diseases that they don't have any control over, and then you have this situation where where, where the young smoking folks or are vaping, doing, yeah. vaping or whatever. So, but is it because of it's not really the substance itself; it's the additive stuff, the oil. And it does and that the, oil does something as we know oil in, inhalation of oils does something to destroy the lungs anyway. So it's the it, it's that product. Yeah, because they be putting vitamin E. I mean, they be putting a lot of oil yeah, stuff exactly. with it. Exactly. Well, well. And was that a component in it even originally? Did they have the Not oils? really. Yeah. They didn't have none of the additives. I didn't think so. No. I think this was all, this is all new. To sell it. And they have the, like the candy flavor. They got all right. these different right. flavors and stuff. To attract people. Which is the right. allure of it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what's messing it up. Well, so. it's such an important message to get this out. Mm-hmm. Yes. The people who are using it, especially the kids that are using mm-hmm. it that are unaware. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Time. Because they don't know. You know, they're yeah. just some like they said, social media, all this stuff looks, you know, sleek. And mm-hmm. I mean, I remember smoking a cigarette was kind of sleek my first year of college, you know, going mm-hmm. into the not gym, but I didn't do much of gym stuff then. But <laughs> going into the smoker with the girls, the you know, smoker. looking sophisticated yes, and yes. stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just but I'm, I want to this is a public health crisis. It is a public health crisis. So I just wanted to get that out to the public. And the last article which is near and dear to me because older becomes older the older that I get, the hidden drug epidemic among older people. People in their 60s take an average, and this is a real pet peeve of mine. I'm sure mm-hmm. Dr. Erzrum is of yours, too, because you encounter this group of people. People in their 60s take an average of 15 prescription drugs a mm-hmm. year. Combined with the over-the-counter mm-hmm. products, they may do more harm than mm-hmm. good. While news reports focus on an epidemic of opioid abuse among young adults, another totally legal and usually hidden drug epidemic is occurring at the other end of the spectrum. The fistfuls of remedies, both prescription and over-the-counter, taken by older adults. According to the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, people between the ages of 65 to 69 take an average of 15 prescriptions a day, and those 80 to 84 take 18 Mm. prescriptions a day. And that's in addition to the myriad of over-the-counter drugs, herbal remedies, vitamins, and minerals they may take, any of which alone or in combination could cause problems. Among people over 65, 44% of men and 57% of women take five or more non-prescription and or prescription drugs a week, and 12% take 10 or more. Many of these remedies are unnecessary Mm -hmm. or used incorrectly and can result in distressing and even dangerous side effects. For example, taking aspirin or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug like ibuprofen could increase the risk of bleeding in patients on a prescribed anticoagulant like Coumadin. 
The problem of polypharmacy, as the multitude of drugs is called, and the side effects they cause is largely a result of our fragmented healthcare system, mm -hmm. rush doctor visits, and direct promotion of drugs to patients who are ill-equipped to make rational decisions about what to take, what not to take, and when. Mm. This means it's up to the patients and their caregivers to assure that minimum risk accompanies whatever medications or remedies may be prescribed or taken on their own. Even when older adults are discharged from the hospital to a skilled nursing facility, one study found they were prescribed an average of 14 medications, one third of which had side effects that could worsen underlying conditions common among the elderly. So let that sink in. I just don't know how when I, you know, when I was doing outpatient medicine mm -hmm. and patients come in with these pill boxes, you know, I can barely remember to take I know, right? whatever it is that I take. <laughs> My new thing is a prenatal vitamin, but I can barely remember to take most of them. I've always been that way. You know, we've always talked about in infectious diseases, a lot of time we prescribe an antibiotic. And my big pet peeve is don't give anybody anything. Try to prevent them to take anything more than once a day. Because most people, if you give somebody a drug four times a day, the chance of failure is probably about 90%. Mm. And when you give somebody a pill to take as opposed to intravenous medications, the onus is on the person to take the pill. And then they come in and, you know, they don't know. Uh, the pharmacists are trying to do their best. I've noticed when I picked up some prescriptions, mm -hmm. they will have something on there about don't take it with this medication and that okay. medication. But, you know, I find that a lot of physicians, especially if you're going from infectious diseases to internal medicine to ophthalmology to cardiology, the doctors don't all know what patients are on. And we're prescribing medications, and you know, especially for infectious diseases, there are a lot of drugs that may have side effects with a lot of those. And so then you you realize why patients get sick, why they have side effects, why they have so forth. So it's it's multifactorial, but it's kind, it is a hidden hidden drug epidemic. And then you have all these things, you know, you see all these ads on television about you know throw in Viagra or throw in <laughs> you know throw in all these other right. drugs that they talk about. They give you the drug, and then they spend about twenty minutes telling the you side, the side effects. effects. <laughs> and some of the side effects are the same yeah. issue that you have that right. you're taking the drug So, you know, you, like I said, I mentioned Viagra only because of these, these erectile dysfunction drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, the lure of them is for what whatever it is that they're for. But if you're on high blood pressure medications or you have problems with your heart or high blood pressure or whatever, you just can't... Mm -hmm can't be taking all these medications and doctors now are somewhat rushed to see patients and to not really be able to sit down and go through every single medication that somebody's on. So it's a problem. I just thought I'd yeah, bring that up. Yeah, but my issue too, my issue is in the fitness world and the exercise world and the nutrition world, you got a lot of folks self-medicating themselves with all these vitamins and you supplements. Do. You do. Like I which just is said, not prenatal cool. vitamin, right? Which right. is not cool because right. no. we only recommend um, we tell people that you eat the whole food itself, exactly the real food itself, exactly. And as you get older or what have you, you might need one multivitamin, right? Or you might need vitamin D, and you or, might need vitamin D mm -hmm. or, or what calcium. have you. But it it really depends on going to your doctor and taking the test to see if you are deficient in it. You just right. don't self-medicate yourself with that stuff. I think though, um, Dr. D brought up some really great points about mm -hmm. the medications because, you know, even as an ophthalmologist, the patient comes in to see us with a list mm -hmm. or a bag full of medicine. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking, you know, we can't remember when we're on medication. 
medications. One, you wonder about how compliant are they with 18 different medications? Unbelievable. How well are they taking it? Right. You know, so if you're on all these medicines and you go to your doctor and they're not taking it well and your blood pressure's still up, they just add another medicine. So now you got 19 instead of 18. Mm. Eggs. And I do think it's a exactly. real issue. And, and patients overtaking. You know, they put them in their little pill boxes. Did they get the right one and this one and... Very I can't difficult. remember where I parked. And so you I know, know right, right? as you get yeah. older, and like you say, did I did I take that pill? And so now you're doubling up on your high blood pressure medication, right. and now you're going to bottom out. out. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, 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 or the medication it's a problem. For the side effect of the medication exactly. you're taking. Now they're complaining about something else. Exactly. I know. Exactly. So yeah. I thought those so were what, two I, good I articles. That's what a very can, good, very time. good point. Articles. Yeah. Big time. So what are, what are we going to do then? Well, I, I think, know. you know, I think, it, like I said, it's multifactorial. And I don't want to say that we can't put all the blame on physicians. You uh -huh. know, I always say that patients need to be their own advocates. Well, I think patients um, in this day and age have to be their advocate. Mm -hmm, they have to mm -hmm. know what their medicines are and their side effects are and right. when they go to their doctor they need to have a true list of what they're really taking to mm -hmm. give their doctor because a lot of them will say I don't know what I'm on exactly and you're you're at a limit on what you can do no they don't know they'll describe it as a pink pill or a blue right. pill or, you know we've all <laughs> seen that, that. Yes. we've all pink pill or blue pill yes. so yeah more attention needs to be because we're also seeing you know like I said with the side effects and bottoming out of blood pressures and so forth I'm, I'm working now primarily in, in long-term care facilities mm -hmm. we see falls right and ah. one of the biggest things that we see of elderly the elderly population coming into the LTACs are people who've had broken hips or subdural hematomas or whatever because they've fallen, either because they've tripped and fallen or because their blood pressure may have bottomed out for maybe one of these reasons. Mm -hmm. It could potentially be a public health crisis for the elderly. You know, I thought there's a New York Times, these are both New York Times articles, and I thought they were quite good. Well, I've us. actually always kind of made a push for once a year, it would be great if someone just went through their medicines and mm -hmm. you really need to be on these. Exactly. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at .com. To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. 
Well, today we talk about eye health, cataracts, eye surgery, and according to the CDC Vision Health Initiative, 90 million Americans over 40 have vision and eye problems. That's more than three in five. By 2050, without effective interventions, cataracts will increase 87%, glaucoma will increase 100%, and vision impairment and blindness will increase 150%. And so, yes, you guys have heard we have joining us Dr. Sergo Erzurum, an ophthalmologist who practices at the Eye Care Associates, and she specializes in eye health, cataract, and lens implant surgery, among a lot of other things, y'all. Y'all will hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> she will give us tips on what we can do to protect our eyes as we age. And, of course, we definitely want to talk about her foundation, Sight for All United, and all the wonderful things that they are doing in this community. So how are you, Dr. Sergal? How are you today? I'm just wonderful. I'm just really enjoying being here. I've already learned so much just sitting here with both of you the last uh, 30 minutes. It's been amazing. Yes, and we are so happy that you have. I know your schedule is busy. All of us are busy, but we are glad that you are here with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So first, well, you know, I want to go back. I know we want to talk about eye health, but I want you to really talk about what you do as an ophthalmologist because, you know, most people in the real world, they kind of confuse optometrists with an ophthalmologist. So could you kind of explain that for us? Well, and I think it's kind of a natural confusion for people. The names are so similar. We do a lot of similar things, and we're very complementary. Um, I think I think the best way for us to work is actually in partnership. But optometry is a profession where you become a physician of eye health. You're taking care of prescription errors, identifying diseases, and handling um, contact lenses, glasses, those sorts of things. The ophthalmologist is a physician who goes to medical school and then after medical school decides to study and specialize in diseases of the eyes and um, goes on to be a surgical and medical specialist. So a lot of times the optometrist is seeing the patients, taking care of them and and their families, And when there is a significant disease like cataracts, glaucoma, infections, other illnesses that might pertain to us, whether it's high blood pressure or diabetes, they then refer them to the ophthalmologist. So um, we handle more the the sick Mm -hmm. and significant problems with the eye, and the optometrist tries to deal more with the correctable vision loss and, and problems along that way. But we do work together hand in hand. All right. So I think that was a great explanation, too, because a lot of people do. You'd be surprised. A lot of people get kind of mixed up on that, you know. Yeah. Yes. So thank you. But let's talk about eye health. What are some of the basic things that we should do to take care of our eyesight, most especially as we age? So, you know, probably the most important thing that anyone can do for their eyes, starting from a very young age, is um, UV 100% protection sunglasses when you're Mm. outside. Uh, So many diseases are related to that, including cataracts. There are growths on the white part of the eye called pterygiums or pingueculas that are affected by a lot of sun exposure. Dry eyes can be affected by a lot of sun exposure. 
Of course, macular degeneration is another one that after decades of sun exposure and other factors, which we can talk about, can adversely affect a person's vision. So if you want to take care of your eyes, when you're outdoors, you need to be wearing good UV 100 sunglasses. Mm -hmm. Now, I stress the UV 100 because patients can go by really expensive, snazzy-looking sunglasses, Mm -hmm. and they look great, and they Mm -hmm. might block light, but they're Mm -hmm. not blocking the UV rays. Mm -hmm. And even in our prescription glasses... I will order for patients with macular degeneration or or cataracts. I'll put a UV 100 coating on their glasses, and they right away go, oh, I don't want my glasses dark. And um, UV 100 doesn't affect the appearance of the glasses. They look like normal glasses. It just blocks those UV rays. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the most important thing you can do. Okay, because I don't think we really think about that when we get glasses. Do you? Well, no. Well, you know, I had an eye examination a couple of years ago, and they mentioned that I had something on my eyes and it was secondary to UV exposure. Mm. And it, you know, of course, you know, you don't want to hear any negativity right. when you go to the doctor. So Especially right. eyes. Yeah, so that's know. when I became more aware of okay. sun. Yeah, so that's, that's probably the most important thing you can do for yourself. That's mm. an easy thing that you mm-hmm. don't have to go to a doctor mm-hmm. okay. to do, right? Sunglasses. Right. Another really big factor is all of these computers and close devices we're using mm. anymore. Mm. And there's a whole arm developing out of that, these blue um, tinted glasses to try and help block the blue light coming back from mm. these screens and computers. But even more of a factor for us with the computers and the screens and the cell phone devices is the amount of dry eye that we're seeing in people. Okay. And most people aren't even aware they have dry eye. They feel fatigue in their eyes. They're tired. They're blinking a lot. Their eyes just are achy or sandy or gritty. And a lot of that is due to our poor blink response when we're staring at devices for so long. Being indoors in areas where we're not getting a lot of humidity, Um, Mm. you know, the heat is on or the air conditioning's on, and it really affects the surface of our eyes and how they see. Mm. Wow. So these are just simple things that we can um, think about. Yes, I didn't think about the time because I can spend at least a good two, three, four hours you know, typing and doing papers and stuff with the computer. And I so. spend a lot of time on my cell phone. Right. And mm-hmm. and think about children nowadays. Yeah. When you look yes. at a young child, I do a lot of children in my mm-hmm. practice, and they're in the waiting room, they're looking at a screen. They come in the room, they're looking at a screen. And when they're surfing so fast, mm. so, you know, if you do, um, if you look at blink rates on people, the blink rate when you're surfing on the Internet is drastically lower than what it would be if you were just normally sitting and talking to somebody. Wow. Same thing with driving a car over 50 miles per hour. So if you're surfing on the internet and you don't want to blink because you don't want to miss something, refocus, mm-hmm. right? So they're finding dry eye in children is becoming a oh, much wow. more significant problem than, mm-hmm. you know, we never, we never had that before. Mm-hmm. So those are a few things to be really aware of. You know, taking a break from the computer screen, they say, you know, <clears throat> 20 minutes, you know, every 20 minutes, you should take a break and look off across the room and break your focal point and just okay. be more aware of blinking more often when you're on your devices. Mm, all right. So what about what we eat? Any relevancy to anything that we, you know, you, you hear when you're growing up, you better eat your the carrots. carrots. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all, we all know vitamin A is really important to the retina and, and to the regeneration of the retinal cells. So vitamin therapy has become something that's really ingrained in a lot of every field of medicine anymore. I mean, gosh, when I went to medical school, 
And I'm sure the same with you, Dee. We, we never even heard about vitamins. And um, you were told no. it was something that really wasn't real medicine. Exactly. And you shouldn't even be right. thinking about it. Right. And now it's interesting how all of these studies are showing that vitamins really are helpful and gets back to your comment about people taking a ton of vitamins mm-hmm. because, you know, you're reading this and you get really excited. Oh, I can fix this problem and that right. problem with my vitamins. Mm-hmm. Likewise, with the eyes, vitamins are starting to make more of an, of an impact. And one of the vitamins that, that I prescribe kind of regularly for my patients with dry eyes are omega-3s. Oh. And, and there have been studies showing that omega-3 helps patients with dry eye, their gland secretions. If you're someone who gets a lot of um, styes, mm-hmm. it actually knocks down the inflammation and helps you mm. develop less of them. So omega-3s are an important vitamin that we have found in the eyes. The other area that probably gets the most attention is uh, macular degeneration and vitamin therapy. And there have been studies to show that that really is useful. The problem is timing when you start the vitamins. So if you already have advanced macular degeneration, you've lost your vision, vitamins aren't going to do a lot for you. The scar formation has already happened. Macular degeneration starts out as some tiny little aging spots in the back of your retina focused in the macular part which is how we read. When we read, we are focusing with our macula. It's Mm -hmm. a very specialized part of our retina. When we start to see these tiny little precipitants or drusen that we call them in the retina, the patient yet has no vision problems. They think they're seeing great. They have no idea they even have these spots back there. And so if they never see a medical doctor, they're not going to know they have a condition that is predisposing them towards developing macular degeneration. Mm. When we see those yellow spots in a patient over the age of 50, 60, we have a discussion about their family history. You know, do you smoke? You know, um, what kind of UV protection do you wear? And we start them on vitamin therapy because there have been studies showing that appropriate utilization of vitamins in patients with these precipitants, um, you can help decrease their chances of advancement or progression into macular degeneration. Wow. Wow, that's I'm, st- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stunned. I know. Yeah, oh, wow. That's great. So how often should we get our eyes checked? I know. So it varies from generation to generation. Um, when you're talking about young children, if, um, if the parents are seeing no problem at all with their child, mm-hmm. every child should have a full eye exam between the ages of three to five. And the reason for that is correctable vision loss. Amblyopia or lazy eye, a drifting eye or a crossing eye can be corrected and 96% of amblyopia is correctable if a parent brings their child in between the ages of three to five. After that, about every three years is pretty appropriate. The schools do vision checks every two years. Mm. And I highly stress to parents out there, if your child brings home a failed school vision screening, please take them to your local eye doctor. They did a recent study showing that more than 50% of children who fail their vision screening in the school never get an eye exam. Mm. Oh, okay. So that's, that's a real major problem. I mean, our state law requires these kids are getting screened every two years, but we're not having the follow-through follow yes. and the correction of the problem. Mm-hmm. But they can go. Do they have drives, too? I know your foundation does that. But they, I think they do things at Walmart, too, for the kids. I've seen different drives that they've had for so it to again, come in. So, again, those are typically screenings. Okay. So uh, that's another one. We talk about the difference between optometry ah, and ophthalmology. And okay. you said there's so, – so last week when I was talking about doing those eye exams, mm-hmm. we had a lot of partners who were saying, oh, that's so great you're doing screenings. And it's like, no, 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 no. 
Screenings are an identification of a problem. An exam is the repair of the problem. We're doing the exam and we're actually treating. Mm -hmm. So a lot of places will do screenings and that's fabulous. We can't have enough you know, warriors out in the field, Mm -hmm. right? Doing that because there's so many people out there. We Mm -hmm. need to identify problems. But we're having a problem with the follow through. After you've identified the problem, Mm, that's not treatment. Okay. Now we need to get right. on for the next part. Right. So, so that's, that's a difficult part with the kids. So, mm. so I highly stress that to parents. As far as like health later on, you know, really after the age of 40 is a time where we really recommend everyone gets examined every two years. We were talking about glaucoma, mm-hmm. higher incidence of glaucoma after the age of 40. And just with a pressure test, we can try and catch a majority of them. But not every person with glaucoma has a high pressure. And so Mm. that becomes a little tricky too. So getting a full eye exam is critical for patients. And if you have a positive family history, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, you should be coming in to get checked. It does run in families. Yeah, because my uncle has that. So Mm. I always make sure, you know, I go and get my stuff. But I have to do my eyes and contacts and all that. And now I've noticed that my my optometrist, I'm pretty sure, yes, um, he knows how to trick it where it's less here. Yes. Unless they are so that I don't have to, I can pretty much see here, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to hold the bifocal thing as long as I can. But nowadays, they have the glasses and things that are so cool now that you can't even see all that. Right. Right. You can't even see all that. Right. So, you know, those right. of us that are trying to stay cute and Good fine. Good luck with that. <laughs> You're looking so cute. Lots of luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. Well, it sounds, like, it sounds like you're doing a little bit of what we call monovision. One eye a little bit more for distance and one eye mm. a little more for up close. Mm. And it works for a lot of people. It gives mm. you a lot of flexibility without throwing glasses on and off mm. all day. Yes. Mm. And I've been doing that for a while. Yeah. For a while. But here's the question. The question of the day is, and we always talk about this, D. You know, the LASIK surgery, you know, some folks, they really say, yeah, we need to get that surgery to correct our vision. But my, my optometrist says, uh, when I get them, you get them. It's been about 18 years. And my so. ophthalmology <laughs> friends, you know, my, my ophthalmology friends from medical school, and they're like, I'm looking at them and I'm like, well, you haven't gotten it. And he goes, especially my friend in California goes, well, when I get it, it'll be about time for you to get it. And he's 75. <laughs> so, so I'm going to, I'm going to tell both of you that I yes. had it done. You did. Okay. Okay. Okay, let me think. I had it done probably about 22 oh, years wow. ago. Oh, wow. wow. And, and, I'm, and I believe in it. My husband's had it done. My mm. oldest daughter's had it done. Mm-hmm. My siblings have had it done. I think, you know, like with anything, it's uh-huh. a choice. Wearing glasses and contacts is not a disease. Mm-hmm. LASIK surgery is a correction for a problem that can be corrected with other devices. Mm-hmm. But patients who have LASIK surgery choose to no longer want to be wearing glasses and mm-hmm. contacts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, it was the first time I was doing LASIK surgery on mm-hmm. my patients. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I found that I was jealous of my patients. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? They wow. were coming in and they were reading and I'm over here stumbling around with yes. my glasses and my contacts. Yes. And, you know, and um, I said, that's it. I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it done. Okay. So are you happy that you had it done? I'm very happy I had it done. I, okay. have, I have pretty bad dry eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, wearing contact lenses wasn't a great option for me. I couldn't tolerate them for very, very well. Mm-hmm. And in the operating room and doing procedures, trying to wear my glasses mm-hmm. and up against the microscopes, it was not convenient. 
Um, so I've been very happy. It was That's a great choice for me. That's um, very good I to hear. I think ophthalmologists and optometrists as a group tend to be a very conservative group. And unless you're actively performing the procedure and have had hands-on experience with the patients, mm -hmm. the feeling is, you know, oh, you shouldn't be doing anything mm -hmm. to take any risk with your mm -hmm. eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but I would, I would argue that the in the hands of a surgeon who's conservative mm -hmm. and giving you good recommendations mm -hmm. and has done a thorough eye exam on you, the potential risks are very small. Mm -hmm. And you can see risks from wearing contact lenses and right, infections right. and issues from mm -hmm. that. So right. um, nothing is without side effects, mm -hmm. of Is course. there a point of no return? Is there an age at which you shouldn't get it? Or is so that too broad a question? So we typically don't do refractive surgery on anyone under the age of 20 because mm -hmm. their eyes are still changing and mm -hmm. growing and you want to have a stable prescription before you would surgically try to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. I've had patients have refractive surgery up through their late 50s, early 60s mm -hmm. even. The dilemma when you start getting older is if you have cataracts already forming, mm. why go and have a procedure done for mm. reducing your need for glasses right. or contacts when you're going to have cataract surgery done mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. And we okay. can do the same thing with cataract surgery. Mm. Cataract surgery now has become a type of refractive surgery. Okay. We, have a, we have a lot of options when mm. we do cataracts. Mm. Um, so that's, that's a whole other arm mm -hmm. of okay. getting rid oh, of your glasses cool. and contact lenses as well. Really important to know. You know, we always talk about cataracts and getting them as we get older. What is, what is, what's that whole thing, a cataract? What yeah. is that? So, you know, gosh, when I f first started medical school, you would say a cataract got ripe. That mm -hmm. terminology has really disappeared because the technology has advanced so much in the last 25 mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And the outcomes are so good. Mm -hmm. You know, in the past, you were a little worried about what kind of outcome you were going to have, complications, visual acuity. Now these patients are seeing so well after cataract surgery that, and our older citizens are much more active than they used to be, right? right. We still have patients who are driving and working at 70 and mm -hmm. 80 or still yes. living on mm -hmm. their own and doing things. Mm -hmm. And so you want to give them as much visual freedom as possible. So now basically a cataract is... The lens in your eye, as the protein continues to denature and, and change with age, it starts to get some opacities and discolorations in it, and those opacities become like a film across your eye. And it can cause significant blurring of vision, glare, halos, trouble seeing at night, trouble reading. When that happens, the patients are either referred to us or come to us on their own for surgery. And the vision levels are not as severe as, you know, we don't let people go completely blind from their cataracts. But the procedure anymore is an outpatient procedure. Does it takes, hurt? You know, the patients get very light sedation. We don't even put them into twilight mm. because it is not uncomfortable. Mm. Um, you get some numbing drops on the eyes. There's no shots or needles. In the mm. past, there were okay. shots and needles, yeah. needles okay. which really yes. scared patients. Right. We don't do that anymore. The procedure only takes about 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Oh. And it's all done through two tiny little micro incisions that are about two millimeters in size. Mm. You don't need any stitches. There's no bandages. Mm. You know, the patients do fabulous. By the next morning, a lot of them are already, you know, seeing great, although there's continued visual improvement. Over so the you don't wear those week. big patches over your eyes no. and stuff anymore. No. Wow, I'm so out of it. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, great. You know, every field is so advanced. You can oh, sit I here know, and tell right? me a million things that, you, mm -hmm. that I'm completely unaware of. Mm -hmm. But um, ophthalmology has become very technological. Mm. We have lasers to help us with the cataract mm -hmm. surgery, all kinds of advanced lens mm. implantations and types of lenses you can have to modify your vision. 
So is there anything that you can do to not get cataracts or it's just just part of the aging process? Yeah. So I don't think you can avoid cataracts 100 percent because it is a blessing of getting older. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, so if we have a long life, we're going to get cataracts. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, there's definitely things that advance cataracts more quickly. And there are some patients in their 50s who already have cataracts, and there's some patients in their 90s who are still walking around with their mm-hmm. natural lenses. So obviously there's, there's things there that influence it. Genetics is always a big one. You know, you can't get too far away from your genetics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the UV exposure mm-hmm. from a young age, that, right. right? So from a young age, kind of like when you talk about skin cancer, it's, mm-hmm. you know, putting the suntan lotion on when you're 60 isn't as good as putting the suntan right. lotion on when you're younger. <laughs> right, exactly. So um, right. wearing sunglasses from a young age will help push that date back. Mm. Um, not taking steroids. Mm, Topical steroids really? and oral steroids. Prednisone really increases the rate of cataract really? formation. Wow. Diabetes, diabetics mm. get cataracts much more commonly mm-hmm. and at a younger age due to the fluctuations in their sugar levels. Mm-hmm. There's some other medications that will advance cataracts more quickly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, smoking. Mm-hmm. So smoking also increases the risk. Um, but those are, those are kind of the things, you know, eating a healthy diet, antioxidants, all of those things I'm sure have an impact that's positive. So tell us now, tell us about your foundation. That's what we want to hear yeah. now, because we know you're doing a little good in the neighborhood, but tell us more. Yeah, you're, You guys are both very sweet. You know, <laughs> uh, we're very humble by anyone having any interest in uh, Sight for All United. But, you know, it did, as I think probably most things, probably even starting this podcast for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you start with something very small. You had no idea where that road was going to take you. So um, Sight for All United started back in 2015. That was the year that we had our health care change drastically in this country. Okay, yes, it did. And although a lot of people received coverage that didn't have coverage before, Mm -hmm. there was this moderate group that had insurance coverage that suddenly were impacted by having really tremendously large deductibles and co-pays. And I know all of us in medicine suffered through that. A lot of mm-hmm. hospitals closed down yes. during those time, time periods. Yes. And um, I, I'm not sure if anyone understood the implications of that. But, of course, patients, when they had to assume more responsibility with their insurance, were taking on higher risk to have less monthly payments. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think of a $2,500 or $5,000 deductible, you basically are uninsured for any eye surgery Big that time. you need. Pretty much. You're paying out of pocket. Pretty Big much. And most people really can't afford a $2,500 or $5,000 right. deductible, let alone probably their $250 yeah. um, dollar co-pays or, or mm-hmm. whatnot that would come along with those programs. So iCare Associates, which we've been in the area now going on 85 years. Wow. Um, we've had never sent anyone seriously to collections. I mean, we were taking care of patients and sending patients bills, but, you know, we really didn't go after patients or, or, or try to force payments on people. Mm-hmm. Well, in 2015, those copays and deductibles hit us economically mm. very hard. And so we had to revise our business plan mm-hmm. in how we were going to approach getting some of that money, right? and payment right. from our yes. patients. Yes. And although that's a really sound business decision, as mm-hmm. you know, as a physician, mm-hmm. it's a really hard decision to make as a physician right. where your job is to provide care. Mm-hmm. And so how do you differentiate between a person who can pay and a person who can't pay? And how do you make sure that you're not or that you're preventing someone who requires help and you're not giving them assistance. Like, like how do you vet that? Right. So Site for All United was born out of that whole oh, okay. problem. 
So we wanted to have a solution. So my answer was, well, if I had an independent organization that could vet these patients and then the ones who truly had a hardship, mm -hmm. we could mm -hmm. help assist them. Okay. So that was in 2015. That was our vision. Mm -hmm. And in 2016... Pardon the pun. Yes. <laughs> lots of puns. Lots of puns. But yeah, so in 2016, we received our 501c3 mm -hmm. in a matter of a few months. It was like lightning speed. We had our first fundraising event, which started at a joke at one of the heart balls. Uh -huh. um, and a few years before that saying, I don't know why there's no eyeballs in, mm -hmm, in town. Mm -hmm. so, right, right. so now we have a yearly eyeball. So that's our large signature event that we hold every October, which is National Vision Month. So we had our first fundraiser in October of 2016. Mm -hmm. We didn't even have an employee yet. Mm -hmm. And within two weeks of having our event, we already had a request for help for patients. Mm -hmm. And our very first patient was a younger gentleman, okay. like in his 50s. Mm -hmm severely nearsighted glasses so thick they actually couldn't put the prescription into his glasses mm, they couldn't wow. grind them mm. he was taking a cab back and forth to work he was working over 40 hours a week but was considered part-time mm. oh. he wasn't a full-time employee okay and so he had no health insurance and mm. he had cataracts in both eyes oh and he was going to lose his job because he was getting to the point where he couldn't even see anymore so he was our first patient that we helped and that was just he was like the perfect, perfect right. patient to walk through the door. And you're like, this is exactly why we did this. Right. But within three months of that time period, we had no intentions at this point for Sight for All United to turn into a program helping kids or being in schools. I mean, that was nowhere on our, mm -hmm. on our agenda or on our scope. But in February of 2017, we had a school nurse call us up from the Youngstown Community School. Fabulous nurse. Mm -hmm. And she said, Dr. Ursram, I have 95 children who failed their school eye screenings, and none of them yet have gotten an eye exam. Wow. And we were like, okay, well, we're supposed to help people see, so I guess we better help people see. <laughs> yeah. So we found a way to <laughs> get those true. kids out into the community, different doctor's offices. I saw some. Other doctors saw them. Sight for All United is made up of a collaboration of 43 eye doctors in the Tri-County area. So okay. I'm very thankful that when I ask them to help us or we have a patient who needs help in their community, they're willing to see them. Yes. So we took care of those 95 kids and got them two pairs of glasses through a tremendous partnership with a local company called Classic Optical on Belmont. I know okay, that. Yes. I know that. It's my neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Our neighborhood. Our yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. The amount of good that that organization's doing for our community, mm. they're really a, a silent giant. And that's a hidden, I was just getting ready yeah, to say, mm -hmm. a hidden figure. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And they actually make the glasses there for us. Mm -hmm. They have the frames there. And then we have a national partner, Essilor Vision Foundation. And most okay. people are unaware of this organization either, but everyone knows their frames, their designer frames and who they're made by, but nobody pays attention to who makes the lenses in your glasses. Oh, okay. So the vast majority of lenses that are made mm -hmm. that are in your glasses, my glasses, are probably made by Essilor Vision. Mm. Okay. And they have a massive foundation focused on helping people achieve their best sight mm, and okay. trying to correct correctable vision loss. Mm -hmm. And so they make all of our lenses for us, for these okay, kids. Wow. Fabulous. So because of those tremendous local and national partners, mm -hmm. we're able to give every child two pairs of glasses. Mm. Nice. One for home, one for school. That's great. That is awesome. So that, mm. little, yes. that little school and that nurse mm -hmm. is the reason why mm. we've evolved into the following year doing the entire Youngstown City School, kindergarten through fifth grade, and then the following year we added Liberty. And this year our numbers doubled where we did 500 kids in one week. Wow. 
That's we a were lot. In, we were down in Crestview the month before doing another 50 kids. So there's a lot, a lot going out there with our young people and trying to get them to give them every academic no, yeah, no excuse have, for academic success. Let's right. put it that way. Yeah. Right, because if you can't see, then uh, right. And even if you, you know how it used to be, you couldn't see the board. But now, just even seeing all of the screens, the computer stuff, you know, they they still have the computer coming down and all that. Absolutely. It affects everything. How you read. Absolutely. And I was, I'm just shocked at the prescription errors that were that were visible and seen this past week I, I don't know how these kids are seen in the classroom because mm. their prescription errors mm. were so significant uh. yeah so it's 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 been really a lot of fun you know as I'm sitting here thinking one of my interests is on health care disparities and when you talk about health care disparities it this is another another arm for me that I really hadn't thought about but talking about health care disparities and barriers for example kids getting their mm-hmm. eyes corrected which extrapolates to them not being able to compete to not take tests to not being able to to pull up to the table with what everybody you can't else see. you can't see so mm-hmm. you know this is just another it's I mean I'm just thinking that this is fantastic mm-hmm. something to help again those barriers for parents well, to take kids to the you you're going like my, we always talk about mm-hmm. if the mountain won't come to Muhammad Muhammad <laughs> will have to go to the mount so you're going and that's to what them. you guys are doing that's yeah. what you do um, right. cuz these parents can't take these kids out Mm-mm. well and there's or a don't. lot of there's a lot of barriers mm-hmm. that are a problem and that's and and that's that's in our mission statement so mm-hmm. our our mission statement for site for all united is to help everyone achieve their best personal vision their best mm, possible okay. site that they can have okay we want to educate people on eye diseases and eye problems and we want to raise awareness about the impact that vision loss has on our community mm-hmm. but probably the most important one is is the last one which is to lower or limit access to care right mm. we want to eliminate those boundaries um, whether it is your insurance or whether it is knowledge you know or resources mm-hmm. it might just be difficult for them to even make it to a doctor's office that's right. my, my point exactly yeah so it's all done with no judgment and mm-hmm. you know we just want everyone to have their best personal site that's great are you able to tell how much money you've raised within this period of time or is that a- we are really proud of ourselves because we're extremely frugal um, we were really blessed with a partnership with goodwill our first two years we didn't pay any rent. We were given space. Mm. We have only three part-time employees. So the amount of dollars, every dollar that's raised, really massive percentage of it goes towards actual direct patient care. Great. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's, that's important to me when I right. give to a foundation. I want right. to know that there's no wastage of exactly. fees or dollars. Mm-hmm. So we have a very frugal crew and a really hardworking crew. Since our inception up until October of this year, we've provided almost 1,000 people with help, whether it's eye exams, glasses, or surgery. Mm. Out of every $100,000 donated, we're able to leverage about $600,000 worth of medical care. That's amazing. We're glad that you decided to do that, and most especially since you're, you know, helping the kids. Like we were saying earlier, it's something how kids, they just get excited over just little things. So 
I am sure that when you had those glasses and those those kids received those glasses, they were excited, and that's important. So, you know, um, <laughs> it's, it really is exciting for them because we have all of these great frames that mm -hmm. Classic Optical gives mm -hmm. us for okay. the kids to pick from, mm -hmm. multitude of colors and mm -hmm. options, and they can pick their own personality oh. out mm -hmm. when they're doing it. That's great. Um, but there was actually a really interesting study done mm -hmm. looking at programs um, where children get their glasses together versus children get their glasses at the doctor's office and come mm. in. And there is actually a much better compliance mm. with wearing the glasses when all of the kids get their glasses together. together. Yeah. That makes sense. So You're you, not an outlier. So when you think about an, cool. an inner city yeah. that no one's going for eye exams, right? Mm -hmm. These kids weren't going for eye exams. Mm -hmm. A handful of kids had glasses on that we mm -hmm. examined. The rest of them had no glasses. They go to the eye doctor. Mom takes them to the eye doctor and they come back with a pair of glasses on. They're the only ones sitting there with glasses on. When we get these glasses made and we take the glasses back now to the school, we're going to distribute them in the school, fit them on the kids in the classrooms. Everyone's going to get their glasses the same day. Wow. wow. And then so they'll be excited. Great. It's yes. like a social thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, and no cool. one's, and, and really the kids who don't get the glasses are the ones who feel like the outsiders right. now. You feel exactly. kind of bad. It's like, but yeah, it does. It increases compliance. The kids will wear them better okay. and hopefully care for them better. Oh, that's great. Well, we're excited, though. We are so excited that you came and you joined us. This has been enlightening. Yeah, this has been very enlightening. I learned a lot of things yeah. about spectacles yeah. and new treatments. New you know. treatments and all of that. So in closing, though, what kind of tips and practices would or should you give everyone? I know you talked about it earlier, but just a few of them that you think are the most important to protecting our eyes you know, what do you think? When we talk about protecting our eyes, that brings up a whole nother gamut of problems. Um, mm -hmm. We were just talking about you at the Today Show yes. with the retinal detachment mm -hmm. from a simple little mm -hmm. injury. Mm -hmm. I think people really don't understand how fragile their eyes are and don't protect them mm -hmm. like they should. Yes. So you'll see people out doing their grass or weed whacking and they have no eye protection in place. They're painting or they're working as a mechanic under the hood of their car mm. and they're not wearing eye protection. Mm. And that's probably one of the most important things that an adult can do for their eyes, but also a child mm -hmm. okay. um, playing sports, whether it's basketball, mm -hmm. soccer, you know, having some kind of protection on their faces mm -hmm. so that um, we don't have significant eye injuries. Mm -hmm. um, that's a major cause of loss of vision in this country. Mm. Right, not protecting your eyes. Yeah. Wow. Right, and then they have so many cute, just like they have cute glasses and so forth. They got nice, cute, protective stuff now mm -hmm. that you can wear, too. Yeah. Right. But do. we never think about the simple things, putting something over our eyes, you know, because I see a lot of people cutting lawn. They, mm -mm. You yeah. see any eye protection mm -mm. for lawn? Mm -mm. And, yeah. you know, anytime something can fly back up and you oh, weed whackers and you were talking yes. about the weed whackers and all weed of that. Weed whackers yeah. for sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, and another big one that talking about protection is things like the 4th of July and, mm. and time periods like that where fireworks are being mm. used and not having the caution and the care to be careful mm. um, about protecting your eyes and distance from the fireworks. Right. Um, those kinds of things, people take them for granted. Yes. So thank you for sharing yes, that with thank us. thank you very much. Yeah, so how can people get in touch with you and your practice and all of that? What is it? Your practice is Eye Care Associates? 
Yes. iCareAssociates.com is the webpage if they'd like okay. to go to the webpage and they can find all of our contact information from there. Okay. Um, if they wanted to get more specific information or make an appointment, mm -hmm. um, they could call 330-746-7691. Foundation is always looking for anyone who wants to get engaged or involved. We're entering our fifth year in the year 2020, the year of sight. Yes. And so um, we're pretty excited about that. Um, we are always looking for anyone who wants to give back to the community and be part of our organization. You don't need to be a physician. We have a lot of need for volunteers on every level. Mm -hmm. You can find out more about us by going to siteforallunited.com is our webpage. We do have a Facebook page, Site for All Ohio, as well as an Instagram, Site for All United, and a Twitter, Site for All U. Well, thank Great. you so much. Thank this you has been so much. Wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful. So this ends our show, D. So do you have any tips to add on? About to a that? thousand. <laughs> I think the the main thing that Dr. Erzrum started out with is this UV because we know, and I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's gotten worse because the ozone layer we're we're losing the, you know, climate change and all of that. So UV protection and you know we talk about that with skin cancer and exposure mm -hmm. to the sun and there's like I said, some of us who love love the sun, but it can be detrimental to our eyes and to our skin. So I think that's great and the all the tips that she gave about how to protect our eyes. Yeah. Yes. You know, we don't think about when you look at a disability, the eyes are huge if you lose your sight, right. which lets you know your hands and eyes. Yeah. And then also the new treatment modalities, I think, because so many people are out there today getting ready to, to get cataract surgery. And like me, even though I'm a physician, you know, you're squeamish. Oh, is it going to hurt? You know, and <laughs> closer you get to it, you know, they're going to. That's why I never wore contacts because I just couldn't deal with my eyes. But these are all been very enlightening things. And lastly, the good in the neighborhood, trying to help those healthcare disparities like um, yes. Being able to get children the ability to um, to have their best vision. Yes. The site for all united. So I'd say kudos to you and your organization for all that you've done in the community. I think it's just and and I don't want to say unsung hero, but you know you don't have poster boards all around town and and those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And I'm sitting here. People yes. don't think about vision. I know things it. with children and how that can help. So kudos to you kudos guys. Kudos to you and. We have our Healthy Heart, Healthy Living. You are on the list for being one of our awardees for our doing a little good in the neighborhood, um, movers and shakers, absolutely. don't you think? Absolutely. Becky, even just you mentioning that, we're so humbled by that. You know, when, when my friend Karen Segesto and I are co-founders and we started this foundation, we did it because we just wanted to do a little good mm -hmm. and try to fix a problem. Mm -hmm. And it has snowballed from there. And I have to tell you that her and I both feel like we've received more than anything we've given. Mm -hmm. And anyone who hasn't gotten engaged with a foundation or given back doesn't understand the power of that. Yes. But when you do, it it becomes so powerful and you feel you feel more driven to do more because mm -hmm. yes. um, you, you get such a great feeling and, and right. the people you meet mm -hmm. and that come in your life who mm -hmm. are also ones who care about the community, mm -hmm. it's been an amazing experience. So yes. just being here with both of you women, this has been just so much fun. It is girl power, isn't it? Is it? Girl power. Yes, it is. Girl power. But what makes it very great for foundations like you, Dr. Cheryl Figliano, she does the ears, you do the eyes, but we see what you do. So you know, most people don't mind helping and donating time and money 
for folks that we see what they're doing, we see the results, what you guys are doing, and we can just go and visit and see all what you do. Yeah, and right. we, I, I was welcoming everyone last week. I kind mm-hmm. of I kind of posted all the schools we were at, and I told anyone, anyone that wanted to walk in and come see it. Yeah, I stood back at one moment during the day when the whole gym was full of yeah. 100 kids, yes. and, and you're watching everyone working and doing what they're supposed to be doing yeah. and moving the kids from place to place, and you're just like going, wow. Yes. So we're really excited, and we're excited about helping the older people in the community, right, too. So right, this isn't right. just about the kids, although they catch everyone. They tug at everyone's heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we have we have big news coming up for next year, and okay. we'll be sharing that soon, Great. hopefully. But we'll definitely keep yeah. us posted. Yeah, definitely. Yes, indeed. And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us. Email us. Now, don't go crazy on the tweet. (laughs) Go on Facebook and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickydofitness.com.